The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and all the ships at sea, welcome to the Boston Podcast. This is Dave, David Yaz, to be more specific, your host. Welcome to the Boston Podcast, where you hear the stories and the voices of your city. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the only daily Monday through Friday podcast here in the greater Boston area that is unaffiliated with any major evil conglomerate. And uh, I'm just going to keep putting disclaimers on there until somebody tells me that I'm wrong. And there's another daily podcast out there, but I don't know of one. And I'm looking at my guest, Dan Janis, and wondering, Dan, is there another daily podcast that that's like a nice steaming hot cup of coffee every morning serves you up some good chatter and conversation and things that make your day go maybe a little better. I, I've never heard of anything comparable to this. I think this thank has got to be the only one. That, You're the uh, best. It doesn't seem like there's anything that could come close. That's, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I like him already. Uh, Dan Janis, we, uh, we just got introduced, mutual friends, but you're going to really enjoy this podcast because Dan is a renaissance man. He is a lawyer by trade. But uh, he is careful not to let that define him completely. Nothing wrong with being a lawyer. Most of my friends are lawyers. However, uh, there's a lot more to Dan than meets the eye. And you will hear how he has basically run circles around the earth, almost literally. Uh, You will hear how he has had adventures in music, his passion for the bass guitar, and the brief stint where he played a tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers from uh, 1978 through 1982. Actually, that, uh, the last exactly part. right. Yeah. yeah it's right, it's, it's like having a face for radio, having a body for radio, too. If, any, <laughs> if you could see me here, uh, I, I weigh about 135 soaking wet, yeah. um, but, uh, but I'm enthusiastic. Well, ver- well, very good. And by the way, if you, if you didn't notice, um, I forgot to turn off my mail notification just a moments ago. You heard the ding. And so, for the uh, 370th time in a row, I forgot to turn it off. It's a streak that I'm proud of. I'm not sure why. But thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Make sure to fit. No, I'm only kidding. We're not done here. But before we go any further, I do need to mention our sponsor, of course. I would be remiss if I did not point out that the U.S. Postal Service supports our show. It's the second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com slash careers. The U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. So, Dan Janis, again, from the law firm of Davis Malm. Now, the first thing I'd say is... Now that I've heard that you are a person of great uh, texture and passions that go beyond the law, I think this, this, from what I know of this firm, it's an appropriate spot for you because I've always known great people to be at, at, at Davis Mom. And the, the, the uh, pitch, the uh, niche, that, hey, pitch and niche, pitch and niche, you could use that as, as a slogan in, in the future. Davis Mom, known for its creative slogans throughout the year. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong. How long have you been at the firm, Dan? I'm just about to hit the 10-year the mark. Okay, when yeah. were were you there during the days of always no, sometimes outnumbered, never outgunned. Does that sound familiar? It does. It yeah. absolutely does. And it's funny that you mentioned that because yeah. we are actually just just this week about to uh 
launch a, a new branding oh, scheme cool. and, and a new website, mm-hmm. and and uh, we're 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 maintaining that theme. Um, okay. We're getting rid of the outgun part. We decided okay. that's a little bit uh, un in keeping with the times. And yeah. So now we're we're <laughs> our, our the new incarnation of that is that we're often outnumbered but never outmaneuvered. Never outmaneuvered. And, uh, okay. So uh, stay tuned for a nice freshened website. I like and it. We, I like. We also, uh, I'm a, a, biz, a corporate attorney, sure. and uh, one of the other rotating slogans is that we make your business our business. Oh, all right. So, That's a good one. We, we get all up in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're all up in everybody's business. I like that. Uh, it's always tricky to come up with. I was talking on a previous podcast with someone who is in legal marketing, I believe, and it is a chore. It is an interesting, uh, vexing dilemma to come up with a slogan for a law firm that doesn't seem silly because what what you do is serious stuff right and i remember the days of when nutter mclennan the law firm nutter Nutter mclennan uh went by the the tag nutter nose and and not i'm not talking about nose on your face that would be weird but k-n-o-w-s nutter nose and so it was this kind of spooky like nutter that's like we know everything nutter nose big brother I, we know where the yeah we know where the bodies are buried. We know that you eat peanut butter straight out of the jar. We know, and I, it scared me, but uh, powerfully sounding. Davis' mom has always had, as I said, clever slogans, and the the image has typically been uh, cowboys uh, march, uh, you know, stampeding through the wilderness or something. Fr- frontier frontier uh, theme is that where the, the, the firm was going with that it is that's right and and that that also is going to be updated with the new rebrand um no more that, cowboys? That we're, we're entrepreneurial we're okay. out there exploring new territories and uh we're still going to have a horse it's going to be a little bit less of a cowboy theme okay but it's uh it's going to be a continuous kind of theme and, and it looks a, l- a little nicer you have it to does... be very careful with the with the taglines because you, you know you never know what the public is going to do with them yeah i remember years ago uh, my wife and i lived in san diego for a year and uh, in and out burger is the is the fast food place it's oh, all over yeah. southern california and they did a whole branding campaign and the slogan was just eat meat and they put <laughs> bumper stickers out all over the place and within about an hour of that all of southern california realize you could just snip off the the bumper sticker so it just said eat me with the logo of the restaurant (laughs) and you saw those everywhere so you really you need to market test everything uh run it by the the middle school uh contingent make sure that you're safe with whatever you come up with yeah the stories of those slogans going awry i'm I'm sure are a plenty um reminded of the episode of modern family which i must be obsessed with the show because i was just mentioning it (laughs) to you up for a different reason before we started recording but the uh, the earnest hero of the show, Phil Dunphy, the real estate agent, he puts a slogan on the side of his minivan and decides to uh, emblazon photos of his family there, including his wife. But the way the thing came out, it said something like, "I won't stop until you are satisfied." And it's got <laughs> it's his smiling wife there with a phone number. They started getting a lot of phone calls that they did not anticipate. So uh, yeah, let's talk at least briefly about the 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 day job. So. You're an M&A lawyer, so that means you you don't go to court. You're right. you're you're typically helping companies who are, well, as the as to use the literal term, are merging or acquiring other companies and things like that. That's right. Yeah. And and I, this would be a good time just to uh, to make it clear that uh, you know me talking is just me talking, and that oh, uh, ahead, yeah. I am uh, they, I, I got let out of the house, but uh, <laughs> it should be uh, known that nothing that I say is uh, reflective of of the firm, and uh, that it's all just my own opinions. 
and like I said, I'll send you a, an email list later of all the things that I'd, I'd ask you to edit out of the uh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but we, yeah, I'm a, 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 a an M and A uh, attorney and uh, and a corporate uh, generalist, uh, M and A specialist. Um, and um, just to get it out there, the things that I don't do, uh, in case anybody was thinking about calling me, is is, right. is DWI and divorce. Okay, and that's the main thing when you're any kind of lawyer. Um, Anybody who's ever met you calls you a couple times over the course of the license <laughs> and says, hey, do you do uh, DWIs and right. do you do divorces? So I can, I can help refer uh, to, to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I help uh, companies uh, buy other companies and then sell themselves and finance acquisitions and uh, all manner of things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's exciting because uh, uh, I, I have a lot of, uh, most of what we do is, uh, is regional and local. Um, so uh, I have a good sense of just kind of what's going on in town and in the business world. And uh, getting involved with a lot of different kinds of uh, industries, a lot of different kinds of companies, learning about people's business and kind of digging in and understanding what they do, which is important if you're going to sell a company or buy a company. So you're industry agnostic. You don't necessarily right. specialize in it. Has there been a company, whether you can name them by name or not, that has been especially fulfilling for you to work with a company doing something interesting or maybe a startup or something like that? Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate to work with a whole range of sizes of companies, and um, one of the uh, unfortunate things sometimes about doing M and A work is that um, once it's over, it's over. Uh, you, you sell the company, and, and you have a very um, intense, intimate relationship with the people that you're working with, um, and then you do the deal, and, and that's the end of it. Um, so I've been fortunate to have lots of that, but I also have some uh, much larger clients that we uh, work with continuously, mm-hmm. and that's nice to have uh, a, a real long-term, deep, meaningful relationships and, and do deals over and over again with the, with the same people. Are we talking about uh, high-tech? Are we talking about mom-and-pop pizza shops or, or, or anything and everything? It can be anything at all. Um, you know, When you're doing a deal, it's important to understand the company well so that you can figure out what the pitfalls are going to be and what the things are that you need to look out for. But in terms of how you structure a deal and, and what actually happens in a corporate sense, there's a lot of commonalities uh, among all kinds of industries. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty wide range. Cool. And now the thing Dan really wants to talk about is running around the world and, and maybe other worlds someday. Who knows? You That's could right. be the first. I mean, never say w- never. Once you do marathons in all 50 states, you may have to move to Mars or something. Yeah. Uh, but and, and I say that because Dan told me before the show that he has run marathons in 44 different states. That's right. What a slacker. Um, <laughs> still still searching for those last uh, six. Uh, now, OK, so now, first of all, I'm not a runner. Uh I don't like it. It hurts. And uh, I, and when I was probably in my late 20s, I had a knee injury. It, not a big deal. They went in and cleaned it up with the scope or whatever they did. But the doctor said, you probably shouldn't run long distances anymore. And I was like, great. Fantastic. <laughs> Medical orders. Yeah, somebody told me not to do it. And so, you know, um, the, the running joke, no pun intended, running joke. <laughs> thank you very much. Where's my rim shot? Come on, Dave, with the sound effects here. All right. Thank you. Hey, um, here all so, <laughs> Right, try the veal. Yeah, and the Lawyers Have Heart Road Race, which was earlier uh, this year, earlier this summer, just just like a month ago, uh, raises money for the American Heart Association. You've, have you ever participated in that? That's that's a walk in the park for you. It's only 5K. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. For, for a couple of years, I was on the uh, the organizing committee to help oh, okay. uh, get, get that together. And that's a real fun race out in the uh, seaport area. Sure. And uh, it takes you out to a weird part of town. Uh, you run through all the, the fish market areas and the, the real right. perimeter of the city. 
Uh, it's not the best some, smelling route, I've, it's, I've been told. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, right around mile two, you start to get a little <laughs> wafting yeah. that uh, you might not smell elsewhere downtown. Right. Um, but that's a, a great event. It's um, It's got a really good turnout, raises a lot of money for, for a, a really your firm good team. Your firm have a team, typically? We do, yep. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I've... I've participated without running in that in that event <laughs> since its uh, inception because I remember uh, Bill Lovett who's yeah. the uh, the white collar uh, criminal lawyer who came to Boston from Washington in the 90s and looked me up because I was at Lawyers Weekly at the time and yep. said we do this huge road race in in Washington we want to do it in Boston and yep. can you help me spread the word and so I did uh, I didn't do much but um, I remember thinking you know, it worked in D.C., but in Boston, there's probably that much more red tape, that much that much more permits you got to get, that bunch more like you know, uh, cops and others. So, no, no, you can't do that here. And he pulled it off, and it's tremendous. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge amount of work, and and, and there's a lot of uh, stuff that has to happen. And Bill's still very actively involved in organizing the race. And you've organized races yourself. Well, we have a, a neighborhood race that we put on, and it, it's coming up in September. It's called the Sedgwick Slog. Uh, we live on Sedgwick Sli- Street. Okay. And uh, this, this is in year, JP in Jamaica Plain. Yep. yep. Um, this year is we're celebrating a decade of slogs. This is going to be the, the tenth <laughs> year that, that that we've done it, and uh, it's a, a relay race that uh, goes through JP around Jamaica Pond, mm-hmm. and we've got a big block party uh, after. And we close the street off. And we have a police escort. And we get free beer donated by Vivi in Jamaica Plain. And uh, this year, we're, we're also getting porta potties donated by Focus Realty in Jamaica mm-hmm. Plains. So we've got a couple local corporate sponsors, and uh, it's a great time. It's fun to look back at all the pictures of the race uh, with the, the kids in particular. Yeah. And uh, you know, ten years just goes by in a flash. But when you look at people that didn't exist when it started, or were little kids and much bigger now, it's just kind of fun to see uh, you know how long it's been going on. You had me at free beer. That's I right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, if uh, everyone needs their motivation and and. In, in attending the Boston Marathon over the years, it's always fun to wait until you get kind of to the back of the pack and you see these guys with, with beer bellies and they have uh, a beer can tied to a string like uh, it, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. over their heads. Yeah. So they're they're going, they have some motivation to continue running, which is, I always get a kick out of that. The, the uh, Sedgwick Slug might be a majority of people that come and, and don't run and drink free beer. <laughs> yeah. why, why Slug? Just because uh, it, you like the alliteration, it's, I guess, but it, it's it's alliteration. It's just a good word, you know. Sure is, you're yeah. sort of running, you're sort of pulling yourself around, slogging life yep. in general. It's a slog. <laughs> so uh, tell me about and it, man. It, uh, and it's it's in all caps. That's important. Okay, the slog is all, slog, is all caps. slog in all caps. But it's not an acronym. No. No. Okay. No. It could be. It could be. You could do that thing where you back into the acronym. Exactly. Just come up with. Um, so that's excellent. So, um, forty-four different. How many marathons have you run? I just I've run 51 marathons okay. in 44 states, so a couple couple repeats. Yep. Um, Washington D.C., whatever that is. Yeah. You know, it's not a state. Oh yeah. It's something. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple. So you don't count. That doesn't count as one of the 44, does it? Well, no. It's okay. just you know it's right. not a state. Right. So. Um, so that's complicated. 44 plus. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Six six to go. Um, All right. Let me guess. Let me guess. Alaska. Alaska. I might as well guess Hawaii. I've done Hawaii. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, is there a, a da- is there a Dakota involved? There's a, I, both Dakotas are crossed. All right, all right. Yeah. Look, uh, okay, wait. Uh, I'm gonna get the rest. Uh, it has to be. Hmm, it has to be one of the, Montana. I've done Montana. Did Missoula, Montana. They're, they're, you're getting right. closer. They're sort of Nebraska, north, Northwest. Done Nebraska. Okay. Uh, so Washington, Oregon. Those are those are on the list. 
Okay. For, for a long time. They're basically all far away. Washington, I'd, Oregon. Have we named them all now? What about Idaho? I'd, Idaho. No. Utah. No. <laughs> we, that was the joke that I learned when I've done Idaho, and that's that's uh, Boise, Idaho. Hey. Normally, I leave the joking to me, but Dan, that right. was that wasn't bad. Uh, done, done, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they're all uh, west, Midwest, Alaska, uh, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, New Mexico, Kansas. Okay. I think that's six. So. Uh, so, so hey, you can knock those off in a, a week or so. Just head out there. It's gonna take a little <laughs> while. It gonna, is, um, and what is that like? I mean, why is this just sort of a personal crusade? Do you have a big cork board where you're marking it, marking your territory, so to speak, or, or um, is there kind of something cool about experiencing a run through a new place? Yeah, it's 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 sort of just everything that i love all balled up in one for me because I, I, I love running and i love traveling mm-hmm. and um one of the great things is that it just gets you to places you never would go otherwise mm-hmm. places you've never heard of you never have a reason to go and uh so I, I love that i love just going to check out places and uh when you get someplace and you run a marathon you know it's a long way it's 26 miles and that takes mm-hmm. you you know around a lot of an area so you know in a pretty short uh amount of time you can really see a lot of an area and get a sense of what it's like and um, you know, fitting that in with uh, having a job and getting back, I'm, I've become sort of the, the expert at taking the the two night trip to mm-hmm. somewhere, and you know, getting out there, running the race, getting back, showing up to work Monday morning. Yikes! You I know. have no idea how you do that, but God bless you. Uh, so, I noticed that over the years that like marathons have changed sort of in touch and feel and appearance, and I'm talking about the sort of the way they're organized, and I guess security is is the word, and the example I use is. My dad used to take me to the marathon going back to the days when Bill Rogers used to win it, the Boston Marathon. He was a, a local hero. This is back when Americans used to win marathons, people, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> like in ni- 1970s, uh, you know, local boy Bill Rogers must have won four of them or, or something like that. I'll probably get my facts wrong. But, but he was um, a hero. And right around that time, some of the Europeans started eclipsing him and guys like Alberto Salazar and Toshihiko Seiko. I can't remember. I remember those names, but these guys would win. But there's there's like a, a famous shot of like two, I want to say uh, Dick Beardsley was involved and ended up losing the race by a hair. But the reason I bring it up is if you look at footage from the finish of those marathons, they had police on motorcycles sort of trying to clear the way for the marathoners because because the, the crowd was sort of unbridled like there must have been no barriers or anything and at one point like the the marathoners are like dodging these these police uh you know you know motorcycles who are trying to clear the way for them but it was so imperfect that it yeah. got all muddled and jumbled and and to, I, I kept thinking I felt so bad for these guys who have who, who have already run, how long is the marathon 26, 26 yeah. plus twenty six plus point two so like they're on the yeah they're on the twenty sixth mile and yeah. they they must be exhausted and to have to do like a shimmy around a, but um yeah. are different marathons in different states have different levels of security and organization and tell me about that yeah there's a, so I mean a lot of it is just the 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 sign of the times and you know in the in the seventies and stuff you know a lot of even the very biggest races were sort of casual and you know the kinds of people that were running the races all just this is a little thing they did on the side and they didn't you know spend their there it wasn't a career to train right. train for it like it is now and um 
all I think marathoning has has had real ebbs and flows over the years. Sort of every every generation, the you know, '70s was really big, and right now we're kind of in the thick of it again. Um, mm-hmm. It's very very popular. A lot of people are doing them. A lot of races. Um, it never used to be an issue of, of signing up and getting in, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you have to sign up right in, you know, when when registration goes online to be yeah. able to get in because the races fill up. So, um, and there's there's a lot of the, the majority of races, the vast majority of them are, are little, you know, mom and pop things. You know, one person, it's oh, just really? their baby. They organize them. And then uh, on the other extreme, there's the they're the really big ones. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at, at some level, it's become a little bit corporatized. Um, mm-hmm. There's 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 the rock and roll franchise, which is you know a, a company that runs some of the really big races. Um, and well, what's you know, what's that all about? It's just a it's a brand. It's a company that puts they call on themselves races. It's rock called and the rock and roll races. Okay, and they have music along the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they know what they're doing. They're very professional. They're they're well organized, but they have a little bit more of a corporate feel to it. Right. Um, but a lot of them, uh, and the ones, some of the ones I like best are just these really obscure little ones. You know, in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. Um, you know, no security whatsoever. It's just uh, you know a, a, a guy with a plan. They measure out a course. And so those exist. That's cool. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, they're wow. All, they're all over. Um, you mentioned music, and we're going to talk about music because I know you're, you're a musician. What do you like to listen to? If anything, in your in your headphones when you run. So that's where I'm a, an outlier. I'm one of the, the few freakish people that I, I, I never have headphones. Really, uh, I'm okay. just out there uh, either um, alone or with with uh, friends. And so on a day to day basis, in the morning, I've got a, a crew of people that I run with almost every day. Really, and, uh, and we talk to each other. That's weird. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> and then uh, who'd have thunk it? When I'm alone, I like to. Uh, try to space out a little bit, just kind of be zen about it. Or mm-hmm. I like to just ruminate over and over and over about the little problems in my life and try to figure stuff out mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, have the same thoughts over and over and over again. Um, that's the balance you try to strike. But yeah, I don't, um, I don't mm-hmm. listen to music, uh, while I'm, while I'm running or, or podcast. I'm just out sort of trying to, you know, we have a lot of in. good podcasts you could be listening to. <laughs> that's Here right. Wasted pod, time. 617. Come on. <laughs> uh, you can listen to it in other times, like when you need a break at work. Like when you need a three-hour break, listen to some of our podcasts at Drone Run. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, we want to get to music, and then Dan has an awesome recommendation during our segment that we call Good Stuff for something you should be reading. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. First, let me take one minute to tell you about the U.S. Postal Service, our sponsor today, the second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop and advance careers, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and a growth and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know, again, the website, usps.com slash careers. It's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. See what happens when the lawyers get involved, Dan. We end up talking long, about stuff like that. Long yes. sentences. Unbelievable. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness, just like the collaboration, flexibility, and, and fairness on display in Dan's running group every morning. They collaborate <laughs> together, they talk, they need to be flexible or else you could get a cramp, right? <laughs> and all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. The website, once again, usps.com slash careers. The United States Postal Service deliver for the nation. My uh, patriotism always gets up a little bit when I talk about <laughs> U.S. Postal Service. So... Um, Let's talk a little music because I'm I'm a music guy, 
And so Dan plays bass. You've been playing bass since you were um, uh, strong enough to pick one up. Is that is that right? Or t- tell yeah. <laughs> tell us how that started because way, way back. Yeah, because like uh, I mean, as a kid, you know, you uh, imagine at least I did. I imagine you know playing. Um, you know, guitar in Van Halen or some such thing. But the bass, as, as we, we uh, touched upon before we started recording, is kind of a unique place, plays a unique role in a band. Tell me how you got into it. Yeah, so, well, I've been playing since I was a kid. Uh, even bef- before that, I was uh, you know, had to pick an instrument and band in, in third grade, and somehow I decided uh, trombone is what I wanted to play. So I played trombone for a couple of years. Mm. And, you know, if you live in New Orleans or if you're in a ska band, yeah. trombone could be pretty cool. Otherwise, if you're from upstate New York, you know you play yeah. trombone, and um, it's a little limited, I think, in, in, in a band situation and where you're going with it. So I, I kind of switched over to bass, which is uh, similar uh, uh, music-wise mm-hmm. in terms of uh, reading music and playing music, and um, just kind of fell into playing bass, and, I, and I've been playing my whole life. And uh, I love the role of bass. You know, you, you're you're not a front man, and you got to just hold it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be the, the sort of liaison between the the beat and the and the guitar and the and the melody and um, just just be solid and, and yeah. Aren't there some together. songs where you just have to play like two notes like boom 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 boom? No, I'm being silly. Yeah, well, there's there's, <laughs> there's four strings and you could just play those four notes and play most of all songs no, that that's are out the, there. <laughs> I know if you want to embellish it a little bit, you can uh, you can add a couple other ones. And so, what yeah. kind of bands have you played in? Uh, all all across the the, the board, mm-hmm. I've uh, played in blues bands. Reggae bands, uh, bluegrass bands, rock, funk, jazz—you mm. um, you name it. For a while, I was—I uh, was just playing the big uh, acoustic stand-up bass, and I—I uh, I don't have a car that can fit one of those anymore, so <laughs> I, I got rid of that. Now I've just got my my the same fretless Fender jazz bass that I had since high school, and uh, you know, still still sitting there in the living room waiting to be pulled out. And I don't get to play a whole lot anymore, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, it's always there. And uh, when you find people sometimes just to go get something together with, it's a, it's a really good time. Can you take out your guitar and just kind of, it like uh, I was telling you earlier that I'm a shitty guitar player, but I enjoy it very much. And so, uh, but, but playing bass, it doesn't necessarily, you correct me if I'm wrong, capture, you know, the melody of a song. And it, in other words, if you started playing a song on bass, we wouldn't immediately recognize it. But, is it, but do you still enjoy just kind of jamming out on your own? It's it's a little boring. I mean, of all instruments, <laughs> bass is really one that. Uh, can you, you know, play along you can, with you the track? Play. Like, can yeah, you, you can yeah. you can you can do that. Um, but you know, if you if you get out your bass and and you're alone and you're playing it, uh, people are going to leave the room. It's good to get people to leave. Other people. It's social. End, <clears throat> when you have a dinner party at the end of the night, you can't think of a way to get people to leave. That's yeah. you know, break out the bass. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear a song? <laughs> are there are there uh, bands that you or or even specific bass players that you admire that are, that are sort of bands that are kind of exemplary of the the role of the bass. Well, I, you know, Jaco Pistorius has always been sort of you know the bass player for in, in my mind, just in terms of kind of funk and jazz and and just his own particular style. I've never heard um, of him. Does he play with the band or is he's just his own guy? He's he's been gone for a while. He had sort of a sad life. He was, he had um, some some problems. Was actually killed in the, I think in the seventies. So he goes back. Yikes. He played with uh, Weather Report and. Uh, a lot of solo stuff, real, real kind of high energy, uh, almost fusion jazz stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best shows I've seen, maybe ever, was very recently. It was the Tedeschi Trucks Band. 
mm-hmm. uh, down at the Orpheum Theater, and uh, I, I'm a, a huge. Hold the, wait, hold that thought because we got a little Jocko here. Ooh, this is with Weather Report. Oh, this is gonna be good. And um, it looks like from 1976. Yeah. And uh, let me, I'll put it up on the screen for you here, Dan. You can maybe they're just warming up, I guess. Is there that Jocko? That's them. Okay. Yeah, he's gonna play something fast. Here we go. This is called Portrait of Tracy, apparently. I can read. Yeah. Oh, look at how young he was there, huh? Yeah, he's a kid. Yeah. Big uh, Here he goes. fretless guy also. Mm-hmm. Oh, fret. he's playing fretless. Yeah. So I, 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 okay. Mellow harmonic stuff, and then he's going to blow your mind. All right. Let's go, Jocko. Okay. It's funny. He knows he's good because he's, he's kind of teasing everybody. All right, here he goes. His fingers are so spindly. Yeah. Now, how can you how can you play fretless? You just got to be that good. You got to know where to go, right? It just kind of comes down to muscle memory. You know, yeah. you just do it and you do it, and then you just kind of know where it is. And that's the kind of fun thing about fretless too. You kind of get a fat sound, kind of being a little bit out of tune, sliding into it. Uh, right. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit and see. Uh, go ahead, Jacko. Hit us some more. stuff he's just yeah it's like he's messing around but yeah i feel like we should be smoking cigarettes and sipping a cappuccino that's and right. maybe wearing fedoras or something like that yes bit. yes <coughs> well that's cool you can t- i mean the this is a guy uh who's clearly like a craftsman you know Absolutely. um yeah i <coughs> bass uh, the, the other sort of tribute i think of to the bass guitar in popular culture is the have you seen the film I love you, man. With Paul Rudd and um, Jason Siegel. No, I, I have not. Oh, okay. Well, you should. I, let me recommend it. They um, there's a sort of a salute to bass in that the Paul Rudd character plays bass, and he's kind of a, um, a an odd bird. And the whole premise of the movie is he's trying to find a a man. It's <laughs> weird. A man friend because he realizes all his friends are women. And so he gets sort of quote unquote set up with Jason Siegel, who's kind of a, a goofy guy. And but he, but they share a love for the band Rush, which is which is both. And so the the movie becomes both sort of a joke uh, upon and yet homage to the band Rush, uh-huh. which they're an easy band to make fun of, yeah. right? Because uh, they they they're always they sing the look. Yeah, they get the look, and they're singing about gothings and yes. uh, about castles and days back in the days of Stonehenge, whatever it is. Yes. Um, but so he, uh, but th- he emulates the the bass player in Rush, and there's uh, he he talks about how he likes slapping the bass, <laughs> and for some reason takes on this awkward like I guess Jamaican accent or something, <laughs> and uh, we can watch some of the footage here. Um, YouTube's not cooperating right now. It's showing us a trailer for some kids' movie. Thanks I think a lot. The, the, Go ahead. The, the main, you know, bass song that has ever existed in the world, Anthem, of yeah. course, is uh, Spinal Tap, Big oh. Bottoms, oh. where <laughs> all the, the whole right. band is playing basses. That's and, uh, right. There's not too many all bass ensembles. <laughs> that is a, <laughs> right. know, a classic of classics. Right, right, right. Let's see if I can get the footage here. I just did reggae. It doesn't sound... It doesn't sound reggae? No. Slept to bass. <laughs> 
has it? It's like big time, big time, big time. <laughs> big time. Slip the bass, big time. Mm. Slap it the bass. <laughs> that sounded like Borat. Yeah. Slap it the bass, big time. That's better. That's better. Sid and I have gotten pretty good at a couple of Rush songs. What do you mean, like fast-paced rock? No, like Rush. Like the band Rush. I don't know them. The Holy Triumvirate. The Wait, you don't know Rush? No. You tell, you don't know Rush, the no. band? No, mm-mm. Exit the Warrior, today's Tom Sawyer? No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit you up with a little iTunes action. I cannot believe you've never heard Rush. All right, hold on. We're going to go into a little uh, spinal tap here. There we go. Thank you. Please for remember it. the disclaimer uh, from earlier. Yes. Go back and listen. So that's um, <laughs> Christopher Guest, the comic actor playing fictional. Nigel Tufnell. Yes. So you're a fan of uh, the tap? Huge fan of the yeah. tap. Harry Shearer. Yeah. yeah. The lyrics are uh, quite clever. <laughs> But yeah, that beginning, I'll play the beginning again. Here we go. There's all, the bass, right? Bass. Yep. All of them. There you go, yeah. yeah. I love it, yeah. So, you know, study hard and, and uh, you too can learn to, to play songs like that. I'm embarrassed to say I have seen Spinal Tap live. No, I'm not. I'm quite proud to say I've seen Spinal Tap live. You I shouldn't be embarrassed by that okay. one bit. <laughs> I saw them at what was uh, then known as the Tweeter Center, I think, whatever yeah. it is, Great Woods down there in Mansfield. And my brothers and I are big fans of the movie, and we figured yeah. this is going to be hilarious. And it was. The only point where it got weird was there were a couple, There was a few songs in the middle of the set where they were just kind of playing songs. Like, right. <laughs> like a, you're supposed to be a joke band. But the opening was hilarious and kind of true to the movie about everything going wrong with the band. Yes. And so what happened was they they all descended from the top of the stage on these chords, you know, sort of like uh, Sandy Duncan and Peter Pan, right? And they all have their guitars and they're coming down and everyone's cheering and they have these funny grins on their faces. And so uh, Michael McKeon as David St. Hubbard, he comes down and he's right in front of the mic. He starts singing whatever song they're singing. Um, Harry Shearer comes all the way down, but he's you know he's a, the shorter guy and he he doesn't quite make it to the ground and <laughs> he's so just hovering right so he's right just like a, a yard from the ground kicking his his heels up until a stagehand comes out and puts a milk crate down so he can stand <laughs> on it and then Nigel the aforementioned Christopher guest character. He's he he doesn't even make it halfway down, but he decides it'll be fun to start swinging. So he's swinging back and forth and and and, and playing the guitar at the same time with a big grin on his face, and we were dying laughing. It's a, it's a fine line between brilliant and stupid. St <laughs> I don't mean to correct you. I'm, I don't want to be that guy, Dan, but it's such a fine line between stupid and clever. I, I believe that's what it is. But I just rewatched uh, last week Best in Show with uh, Christopher Guest. Oh, see, now we're and, talking. And, and he's just a genius. At, you know, the same guy can be Nigel Tufnell and this uh, North Carolina hound dog raisin yeah. guy in Best in Show. Yeah, Fantastic. Be yeah, Best in Show. He plays Harlan, Harlan. Pepper. Yes. I used to know the name of every all, kind all of nuts. nut. Yeah, right. pistachio nut, macadamia nut, cashew, uh, cashew nut. nut. <laughs> yeah. He he is truly a genius, and 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 um, it's it's well, I don't know if he would have done more movies if they had more commercial success, but I think sometimes the only thing that holds him back is those movies don't make a ton of money, 
in in the elitist reason I provide is because not everyone has that sharp, intelligent sense of humor <laughs> that required. I mean, w- don't you think? That, yeah. I, I, mean, that, I, I feel like I've been misunderstood that way my whole <laughs> life uh, for that for that very reason. No, but he. But. Though, so those movies, if you're not a fan, you should watch all of them right away. Um, it, it Spinal Tap eventually begat uh, Best in Show, as you pointed out, which is sort of a, a, a lamp. You know, they're all mockumentaries, right? They're, they're, and the, the, the thread that runs through them, I think, is people who uh, take their their passion a little too seriously. So like the dog show community, um, it, it's at the end of the day, these are little dogs running around, <laughs> you know, and trying to prance and, and preen. And these people are so attached to their dogs and it's strangely competitive and, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was the, the one movie that, I, I love every one of them, but the yeah. one that I just didn't get was called, uh, it, was, it was a spoof on folk music. Uh, a mighty wind, I think it's called. Yeah, and for me, I grew up in Ithaca, New York, mm-hmm. which is just a very hippie town. And, sure. and when I watched a mighty wind, it was just like, yeah, that's I don't get just, what's funny it's about just, it. It's just my town. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, the folk music community was okay with it. That's the other thing that he does masterfully. I th- I think is that he can lampoon a whole community but with a little but show that they have heart right. like uh, at the end of the day those the three folkies they they wanted to do well by their audience in this that great scene where they they're on the same bill as this folk band that that they think has become too commercialized and too flashy and too silly and the band that that precedes them this this terrible flashy band they play the exact song that that our band our heroes here were, were getting ready to go out like there was no communication they look at each other like well what are we going to do and uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Ramblin' was the name of the song, I think. Because then the Harry Shearer character says, you know what we do? We just go out there and we do Ramblin'. And Michael McKeon says, you can't, we can't, like, that's just going to be confusing to the audience if we come <laughs> out and do the exact same song. Um, they're all great. I, I, I had the pleasure of bumping into Jennifer Coolidge um, on a train once. She was getting off like I was at Route 128 just some random day a few years yes. ago. And she, she's best known as Stifler's mother from the American Pie movies, <laughs> but but she's been in j- just about all of those Christopher Guest movies, and she's so she's just so clever, and yeah. she always nails her role. And so, I said to her, "Are you Jennifer?" I helped her with her bag. I was very proud, and I said, "Are you Jennifer Coolidge?" She says, "Yes." And I said, "God, I, I love all your movies." I said, "When is when is uh, Christopher Guest gonna do another one of those movies?" And uh-huh. she goes. I don't know. We all just kind of wait around until he calls. You know, someday. Yeah. Well, go go out and watch Spinal Tap, kids. Do it. Yeah, and Best in Show. If, if, and if there's one takeaway uh, from from this please. podcast, I think go go the, watch Spinal Tap. That's it. The, our, our youth should know about uh, about uh, Spinal Tap. And by the way, the the most recent one was excellent. Did you see Mascots? Did you see that one? Yes. Yes. Uh, again, yeah. it's it's the, very violent. Yeah, <laughs> it was strangely violent, but. Christopher Guest apparently has a, an affinity for um, puppets and uh, puppetry. Yeah. He he thinks it's just so hilarious how the puppets can turn and make like this, these sort of blank expressions. Of course, they're blank expressions. They're puppets, but he he <laughs> finds the comedy in that. And by the way, I'll give you one more. Uh, this is like a deep cut Christopher Guest thing. There was a show on HBO called Family Tree. You catch that? Mm, no? no. So. Um, just super quick because we're, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here. But this is good <laughs> stuff, people. This is good stuff. Family Tree is a show you should check out. It, it ran probably about eight, eight episodes on HBO and was not renewed for a second season, much to my chagrin. And it follows the story of a young man who strangely gets 
an inheritance from his aunt, and it's a humble inheritance, but it's like a treasure chest of things, so to speak, and family artifacts, and it prompts him to go back through his family tree, and he's a British guy. I don't know the actor's name, but you would know him as Kristen Wiig's love interest in the movie Bridesmaids. Yeah, he played a cop, mm. right? That guy. You've seen that guy. He's been... And... Um, he pops up in mascots too. He plays the he plays the hockey mascot that is just a, a big cartoonish middle finger, <laughs> if you remember. Anyway, uh, but Family Tree, check that out on HBO. It's really good. Yeah. It had the whole it had the it had the Christopher Guest. It had uh, Michael McKeon in there and, and all his usual cast of characters. But um, I promised that we would get to a segment called Good Stuff, and so let's do that right now. Oh, that's the good stuff. Good, my, good lead in. Thank you. I, th- I think um, I think I'm I'm really rambling today to use that word again. It's I, I think this this my second Red Bull of the morning is just kicking in. <laughs> so I apologize, Dan, if I am uh, dominating the conversation. But it is my show after all. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good stuff is a segment where we we give recommendations as to good stuff. And Dan, you mentioned a book that um, you really got into and can can recommend wholeheartedly. And it's the summer, and people go into the beach, and there are these things called books. And which one did you enjoy? Yeah, well, I still I still read book books. I I, I, I like to read, and okay. I don't have a Kindle or anything, so I got those you know the the, the paper things. Yeah. And and I I, I I get sucked down reading a lot of really bad stuff. So mm-hmm. I I go down these paths of reading about environmental stuff and you know political stuff and there's just a lot of ways where we're just <laughs> there's a lot of not Sounds like good stuff the whole the whole al gore yeah. uh catalog yeah you know the the, the end is near it's not yeah. looking good but anyway mm-hmm. so the good stuff is um i just happened to pick up off a shelf uh recently a, a zora neil hurston book dust tracks on a road dust and uh, this is from uh just after the the civil war after slavery and uh, it's an autobiography of uh, of Zora Neale Hurston, growing up in the South in the in the 1800s, and she's just one of these magical, wonderful people who's just sort of a, a manifestation of a place and a time. And she's just got an amazing take on on humans and human nature and and all sort of the good things that make people people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was you know growing up in really not good circumstances, and and still just came through with this amazing attitude and perspective. And, uh, no, I, well, you said autobiography. Did you mean that, or did you yeah. mean biography? Autobiography. So, yep. So yeah. she, but she's she's, um, but if she was around at the time of slavery, she, so the book was written years and years ago, and it has just been sort of re. Yeah, no, it's been around for a while. Oh, and I see. I think okay. it was. I think she wrote it in the 1930s. Okay. Um, when she was an adult, I think, and she lived until the 60s. Okay. Um, and it was. Just I was on just the, about to ask the stupid interview because. So what's she up to now? Yeah, not much. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just laying low. That's dark humor. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> uh, no, you don't even get a rim shot for that. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so and yeah, so in, and it's her her life story. She she and you yeah, said yeah, to, go ahead. Well, Sorry. she's kind of a miraculous person. I, you know, she was um, you know a child of slaves and and managed to become uh, you know an incredibly talented writer. And she was involved in uh, in theater and in um, uh, folklore documentation all all through the South, mm-hmm. and um, it was just a nice reminder that whatever your circumstances are, they, their people are just just come along once in a while that have this uh, you know an amazing perspective and are amazing are, are able to kind of rise out of things. And, yeah, um, I will check it out. Dust tracks on a road is is the book that Dan recommends. I I love um, I do dig uh, his 
historical uh, chronicles of things and and wonder whether they now I'm since since I'm a child of television and stuff I'm usually watching like you know uh, I'll watch you know a movie over and over again like Glory uh, you know about the the um, Civil War and the the first uh, all black platoon that if you haven't seen that movie it's it's mm. wonderful. And then after that, I'll go and I'll look. I'll look for a, a book or two to try to see if, if it was realistic. But um, we forget I, sometimes. I think how recent in history some real terrible things were. Like yeah. like we think we think slavery was some awful thing that um, you know happened bef- before anything we can remember. Yeah. And in the course of human history, it's actually very, very, very recent, short time period. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, same with the Holocaust. And that, and that's why, you know, I try to keep my eyes and ears open when something like the black lives matter, um, you know, movement comes along and, you know, the, some of the cynics of that, the critics of that movement will say, get over it, you know, um, and you know it's been forever since slavery, and you know what it has. There's there's something that led to slavery. There was a philosophy. Yeah. It was it was a common philosophy among white people, and to think that it it you, you when you know Lincoln came along got rid of it that the the switch was flipped for forever is it's just not realistic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that that remains. Yeah. 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 So and um, until uh, but at and the end of this podcast, they're all going to be fixed. Just listen to Dan and I. Cut the crap, everyone, and let's be good. It, I'm, I'm reminded of a joke that um, uh, I think it was Tina Fey made on Saturday Night Live once. She said, like, on the in the weekend update desk, she says, you know, today is the, uh, whatever it was, like the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Act of 1960, 1964, maybe, whatever, uh, and of the Civil Rights Act, and... Now everything is just fine. <laughs> Glad we could take care of that. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for tuning check, in. Check the box. Right. We still haven't passed the Equal Rights Amendment, by the way. <laughs> Not everything is perfect. But, uh, Dan, thank you for the recommendation. Quite awesome. Now, you also have, um, before we go, I just want to make sure people know where to reach you. The law firm is Davis Mom. So Davis, typical spelling, mom, M-A-L-M dot com, davismom dot com. Often outnumbered, never outgunned. No, damn it. Ooh, Often, uh, let me try to get the new yeah, one. Often yeah. outnumbered, never outmaneuvered. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you know, podcasting is what I do. So, um, and, but Dan also has uh, a blog and writes about, I imagine you write about your passions. Uh, this is on danjanis.com. So D A N J A N I S.com. What what sort of stuff will you see if we go there? That's it. It, it is just a, a pile of information about uh, you know Dan Janis. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's about me, and I've got a blog where I write uh, kind of long form essays about stuff, so right. um, business and politics and all things that are weird, travel, marathon running, and um, a lot of strange stories, a lot of uh, interesting things, kind of a, an, an odd take on things. So it, including. It could be the what do you call it the Janifesto the Dan Janifesto the Dan Janifesto you can can click right through to the Dan Janifesto (laughs) and and learn really really everything about what I think Uh, it's a lot I love it how often do you blog you know it kind of comes in waves and uh, just depends on how busy I am with other stuff so I've kind of let it go for a little while and um, so now it's uh, you know a couple times a year Um, 
something was was more than that. It but, sounds uh, exactly like what I used to do when I blog. Like you, yeah. <laughs> you you get an idea for a blog post and you're all excited and you you write it and you post it and you maybe get some good feedback, and then six weeks later you're like, oh, I haven't done a blog post in a while. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. I often I, I write a lot of blogs that uh, it's just a you know a brilliant epiphany I have about something and I write it in detail and I show it to my wife and she says. You already wrote that one five times. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the okay. thing. I'm older than you, Dan, uh, at least by a bit. But um, you start to get old, and <laughs> and you, you you do that thing where um, what a great idea, and then it's like, um, yeah, you told me that last week. You yeah. don't remember? It's like, oh, yeah. As long as you're amusing yourself, that's all that counts. Yeah, and you know when you forget things, you get to relive them again, like exactly. they're new. So that's great. So just getting old is great, everybody. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> thank you very much, Dan. I hope you had fun. Thank you, Dave. That All was right. great. Each time you complete a marathon in a new state where you haven't been, you are invited to come back on this podcast. That's right. Through down the, the gauntlet, we'll get updates from Alaska and Dakotas and those other places. Thank we you. wish you luck. We wish you luck. Run, Dan, run. Forrest Gump reference. I'll come back <sighs> next time and we'll do Caddyshack. Oh. <laughs> right. Or we'll just go deeper into Spinal Tap because <laughs> you can never too too much is never enough as Billy Otto used to say yes. on MTV uh, Dan Janis over at the law firm of Davis mom davismom.com thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast many thanks to our sponsor the US Postal Service if you like this podcast please share it with a friend a colleague or really anyone you know if you're interested in your own podcast go to pod617.com you could be visiting us here in our Westwood studios and becoming a podcast star of your own wouldn't that be cool on behalf of Dan Janis, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy your day, everybody. You must be the other guy. <laughs> <laughs>